You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio. It's good to be here. Where it's springtime here in mm-hmm. Texas. The birds are chirping around our home. You'll probably hear them throughout the podcast today. Probably so. They're pretty loud today. <laughs> Especially anytime we're having a contemplative quiet moment. Right. Trying to think through where we head next or what's the next best point or how to answer some of the different emails that are coming this way. Mm-hmm. Because... Like we always have been doing lately, we are answering what the nation wants to know today. Mm-hmm. And we are so grateful for the nation yep. that they speak up and they ask questions and we want to answer them and be a great resource to help frame conversations. We've been doing this Let's for do almost it. a decade now as a show, That's which exciting. is fabulous to think how long this thing's been going on right, and continues right. to keep going. Um, well, to that when we're talking about the nation, one of the ways you let us know what's going on with you is you call us. You, t- you can call it 214-702-9565, or the email address that we use is feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And then we also have the platform for the nation, which is my.smrnation, where one of the questions is coming from there today oh, good. that someone has been uh, asking some questions there mm-hmm. that we've been able to sh- answer some, but we're going to go on a larger scale. Okay, Perfect. And then the other last plea we have is, just in case you weren't aware, the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway comes up here in June, and we are almost full. Mm-hmm. So if you want a spot, go to smrnation.com forward slash getaway to reserve your space, because we want to see you in June. Mm-hmm. All new content. Um, we're doing some different things with some of the schedule a little bit uh, to accommodate where we are as a world. Right. Um, but it's still going to be a fantastic time that's dedicated between, and the whole focus, if anybody's not familiar with the getaway, the whole focus of this is about you and your spouse. Right. That uh, we want this experience to be something that is re- really, really beneficial for the two of you. Mm-hmm. You're just going to happen to be alongside a bunch of other people while you're there, mm-hmm. but the whole focus is how does this play out in your life and in your marriage, much like we do here on the show. That's right. So coming up on today's regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio is several of your emails or questions that have come in and our answers. And then coming up on the extended version of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy. We're going to do a deep dive into the concept that Schnarch coined is where I heard it first called Moments of Meeting. And the main premise we're going to be talking about is this idea of maybe this is the best way to clarify and capture what many of us are really after when you're talking about intimate depth Mm -hmm. and connection Mm -hmm. in a marriage. Mm -hmm. All that's coming up on today's show. An email that came in says, Dr. Allen, thanks for all that you do with the SMR Nation. Your podcast helped me be more solid and improve my marriage in ways my wife has prayed for for years. 
I love that phrase. I do too. <laughs> I started listening, as most higher desires probably do, to figure out how to have more sex. I quickly learned that my wife's lower desire wasn't the biggest setback. Imagine that. I was in my own way big time. Through the years of binge listening and some soul searching and some divine intervention, our relationship, our sex life, and my family life in general has greatly improved. So here's the reason for the email. We're 40 with two kids, age 17 and 7. We've been married almost 15 years. She has always had some dissatisfaction with her body, which can be understandable because she's overweight. She is so confident in every aspect of her life when it comes to clothes, being sexy, talking about sex, receiving compliments. I've tried to slowly introduce her to things I hear from SMR, and it's helped our communication some, but she still gets no, but she still gets so embarrassed. Recently, she accidentally matched her bra and panties. This is extremely rare. Like, maybe it's happened twice in 15 years on purpose with lingerie for a special event. I complimented her about it in a completely, what I tried to be, unsexual way. Just that I was impressed and proud that she looked so good. I, think it, I thought it would help her to feel better about herself if she tried to take pride in those things. Start with those things that only she and I see, then work outward to what everyone else sees and build her confidence in that style. She's done it backwards. She does hair, makeup, stitch fix, but never the underwear. She has the comfy stuff that she wears until it absolutely has to be replaced, you know. Corey and Pam, I'd love to hear your thoughts about matching sets of underwear. Does it help the women in them feel better about themselves? Or is it all just candy, eye candy for us men? And on a second thought, my teen is just like me in confidence. My wife is tough on her when it comes to dressing conservative, including her underwear. There is some backstory with the teen and some valid reasons for us to keep an eye on her. So help me walk that thin line of teaching my wife to be confident and sexy, but yet teaching my daughter to not be so confident and sexy. Oh, gosh, like a double-edged sword there, right? It absolutely is. Um, So I would say that, yes, there is definitely something to what you're wearing underneath makes a difference. Okay. I I, I think there's a a confidence, um, a, hey, I'm... I feel like I look good underneath. Here. Okay, so I want to ask a clarification then, Pam, because okay. I think I think one, this is one of the things when I'm reading this email. The first thing that comes to my mind is a statement I heard, and I don't I don't know where this came from first, but somebody made the statement of if at the end of the day or at any point during the day you discover that your wife has on matching bra and panties, mm-hmm. then you're not the only one that's thinking about sex that day. That was just kind of a phrase for higher desire husbands to recognize. There's something going on here that she intentionally sought that out, possibly. That it was a message. I think that that is a pretty good analysis, in my opinion. Yeah. His, the way he's framing this, I'm curious because I also hear a thought process of, as I'm kind of trying to capture a, a, a picture of her in her journey, there's an inner confidence that that would signif- that that would be yeah. a significance to. Mm-hmm. Yet I could still look really good on the outside, and that's kind of an outer confidence. And maybe there's a difference and a distinction between those two. Sure, I I, I think that's with with anything. Um, I can be superficial all day long, and I can put on something that 
makes me look a certain way, mm -hmm. but my mind isn't right. Yeah, I, I can... You can portray I, something I can that portray maybe isn't something. completely accurate. Is that kind of what you're sure, describing? Sure, Okay. And maybe that's... Maybe for some people, that's a fake it till you make it. And maybe for some people, it's covering something up. Or both. Or, or, or both, <laughs> and, right? and other things that we could probably add to it, too. Right. Um, so you can go up a lot of different arenas, but... Uh, you know, he, he references she has her comfy that, you know, mm -hmm. just gets thrown out when it's totally when it's worn, worn out. Yep. Totally get that. Love that. Do that, too. <laughs> I think that that probably captures a lot of people uh -huh. that there are some things that it's just the comfort clothes. It's the it's the old pair of sneakers, if you will, or the comfy jammies or sweats or, you know, we all have something like that. And that's fine. Yep. That's fine, but I think that it, it does totally, it does say something um, when that's what I want. That's what I want to portray uh, to my spouse or to wear for myself to feel to feel good. Um, it's, it's funny that she wore them by accident. Um, I, I'm, I'm always real cognizant of what I'm putting on. I, I can't say that anything I'm doing that I'm putting on is by accident. I don't care if it's bra and panties or anything else. Okay. So I think that there is, you know, there there's typically something there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, to me, what jumps out is this idea of what's the meaning of things. Mm -hmm. That what is the meaning of if she actually puts on the undergarments that do send a message of sexuality or prowess mm -hmm. or something? Because yes. I do, like he's pointing out, I do believe a lot of lingerie that's sold today is really more eye candy for the spouse than it is for the woman. Because some of the stuff. Oh, I'd agree. And I, some I know of it's so uncomfortable. I know some of there's people that they love it because of the way they feel, the way it makes them look. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it is, they see it as them. But I think it's both. It's mm -hmm. also for the view, and it's also for what's being portrayed. I, I would agree. I mean, there's things that I wear that's ridiculously uncomfortable. It's just for you. Wait, thank you for that. You're welcome. Way. You're <laughs> welcome. But I'm ready to get it off because it's so uncomfortable. I'm usually ready to get it off too. Um, <laughs> but it, so it's looking at this idea that as he's ending his email of, you know, how do I help her? Or actually his phrasing was, how do I teach her to be confident? And I want to challenge mm -hmm. that because I don't know if you teach somebody else how to be confident. Mm -mm. I think you can encourage and maybe inspire confidence. Mm -hmm. Some in the manner in which you carry yourself, some in the manner in which you approach them, mm -hmm. that it's less contingent on how do they respond, that when he brings it up in an unsexual way that he tried to, man, you looked really good. Well, she's going to hear that as a sexual way too, probably. Typically, yeah. And... But you're not ashamed of that. You're unapologetic about that. You're like, man, I just want you to know you look good. And right. you take it as you take it because you're coming at it as a confident person. And I think that's what can maybe draw somebody out into some confidence themselves. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that um, it, it's it's one thing to do that one time. But if you're consistent with what you see mm -hmm. and you just call it like you see it mm -hmm. and move on. That portrays a um, a real genuine, consistent message right. that is helpful 
and and this is where it gets interesting because as we start doing this in the more intimate relationships that we have, like a marriage, Mm -hmm. um, our map has to align that what I'm saying is also who I am and becoming. It's not a move. Right. And I'm not trying to hide it like it's a move. It is a move too, yes. But I'm being genuinely me in that, man, I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Take it as you see it. Because this is where we've kind of landed on this idea of looking at our sexuality as our superpower. Right? And so where do you steer your superpower? Mm-hmm. And how do you grasp and harness that to use it for good and goodness in your life and in your marriage? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways is like what he's describing. On the outside, she's got it. And then it's just getting into the deeper part where you truly believe it and you live it and it becomes a second nature. Mm-hmm. That's the way he's kind of mapped his wife. So I think the way he's trying to encourage that is going to be exactly like what he's doing. Man, you remember that time when you accidentally <laughs> wore right. matching? I still have that burned in my memory. That was really good. And then you just kind of move on. And But it's kind of planting some seeds of, I like that part of you. Mm-hmm. I hope you see it the way I see it too, because you can't make somebody see themselves the way you do. No, they have a different journey, history, hangups, and everything. Right. So then, how do you thread the needle with a, with a daughter that's yeah. the opposite? Yeah. Um, same path. I think you're just upfront about it. Mm-hmm. You just say, "Look, girl, this is a superpower you've got, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can use it for goodness." Or it can, it can bring about destruction in the wrong environments. Right. And so it's not just talking about health and, and safety. It's also talking about the meaning and the whys right. behind it. Because you can have sex as a human being, but what's going on with the wiring of your brain mm-hmm. in those things? And that's where we need to start. I think we need to be better teaching children. It's more than just tab A, slot B. Right. It's not just an act. It's all of us. Right. And so, well, and I think those are important conversations for parents to have with the kids, right? Because when we do, it's that message that we've talked a lot about here in that all these adults um, are dealing with messages they got when they were kids Mm -hmm. and bad, 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 you know, sexuality is bad, sex is bad. And that's not necessarily what the adults in our lives believed, but it was this fear of, oh my gosh, what if they're promiscuous? What it was if a they fear-based message, yeah. And and so trying to just be real and communicate the real picture. What is it that you're concerned as as a parent? Mm-hmm. Um, and shoot straight with them. This is the phrase we've landed on with our children as as other. Uh, interests of people have entered their world, (laughs) whether it's a friend Mm -hmm. or someone of the opposite gender, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter that I landed quickly um, with both our kids on the idea of I can trust the person. I don't trust situations. Right. And, and so it's really, I'm trying to let her and him between with our kids Mm -hmm. recognize I have confidence in you, but I'm also, a, I'm more leery of situations and contexts. It's easy to get sucked in to the moment. So the more that you can yeah. recognize who you are and what you're, stu- what you're doing with your superpower and your identity and your character, I want to help 
in all the situations that you might be find yourself in. Yeah. And so it truly becomes how are we walking alongside these people, whether it's our child mm-hmm. or a spouse, and we are refining ourselves at the same rate that we're asking them to refine themselves. Yeah. Another email that us along the same lines. Anyone recall if there's been an episode that talked about people who in public work life are bold, confident, clear in what they want, even when even viewed as strong leaders with high EQs, but when they get home, all that seems to go away. I'd be curious if this is at all common and what might be behind it. I started listening to SMR about a year ago and recently started catching up from episode one. So to be fair, I've only listened to episodes one through 33 and then most of 450 to present. This is a common occurrence, I think, a lot of times where when I'm working with men in the mastermind groups, this is where I see it the most. And yeah. then secondarily, sometimes with clients okay, that they can't understand what it is about uh, different circumstances or environments that make it easy to be bold and courageous and adventurous and risk taker. Yeah. And then I come home and I'm scared to death of my spouse, if I'm honest. Wow. <laughs> and not scared in a fearful way. Right. It's just, I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid right. of more their reactions and their responses and the possible disappointment therein that may come from something I suggest, something I want, something I instigate, and they don't. And why is it that they'd be so much more scared at home rather than, or tentative I think the biggest difference most of the time is value that I place on environment mm-hmm. and the and the people involved. Yeah. Not that I don't care about the people at work, but I don't care about the people at work like I do of people at home. Okay. Right? So it's different. And then the other is a power dynamic. Most of the time, the people that are really confident at work, there's power that goes along with that inherently with the role they play. Okay. So there's less how to have to justify who I am. I know it. Mm-hmm. That's my role. I am boss. I am manager. I am shift lead. I am owner, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And so there's just an inherent, no, this is just the way we're going to do it. And that hierarchy immediately makes it to where I have less fear of well, what if they don't like it? What if they disagree? What if they say no? Sure. Well, if I come home and I bring that to bear, and this is not just a male thing, this is a female thing too. Okay. And all of a sudden, I get pushback from my spouse to say, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Or how could you ask me to do that? How could you say it that way? I care more about that response. The risk is higher. And so automatically then, the scene and the environment is dramatically different to where more of me is being asked and risked as I go up the hierarchy of importance. Okay. Right? That makes sense. And then the other thing that I think plays out in this is what we touched on uh, in the in the prior segment is this idea that my spouse knows more than most anybody else who I am. Mm, sure. So they have a map of me that's pretty accurate most of the time on, okay, you're a big stuff there, but not... You're, you mean, my, you know, some of the things you've said over our relationship mm-hmm. when we'd have something really cool is part of the role we play for each other is keep each other humble. Because Ecclesiastes has the statement, which we love, of yeah. 
there are no great people to their servants. Hmm. And I'm not equating spouses to being servants here, so don't hear it that way. (laughs) But the people you live with, they know you're just a human being. Right. They know you put your pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. You have struggles and insecurities and fears, just like everybody else. Yeah. So you can't, it's harder to walk in the door and be the boss or in charge or have this this bravado that you can easily carry out in the world because the world doesn't know you, nor do they sleep with you. Right. And everything changes in my mind. When this is what I say to clients when they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, you don't have sex with everybody else, hopefully. Right. You have sex with your spouse. They know you intimately different than everybody else in the world. They hear all your snoring and all those crazy sounds. Now you're meddling in my world. Um, So (laughs) You're calling me out. And snoring. And me. Yeah, it's it's part of, we need to do a coffee table, a coffee shop talk on how do you handle snoring in marriage. Right. But it's looking at it through this lens of, I try to think of life as a relational hierarchy. And the higher I go up that chain of importance that the people are in my life, the harder it is to truly be all of who I am with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they see all of who I am. And sometimes I don't like the incongruence of that. Mm. I like to see myself as, oh yeah, I got it all together. But my spouse knows I don't always have it all together. And I don't want to acknowledge that. That's actually what we're going to be talking a lot about in the extended content today. Okay. Okay. So if you want a little bit more, join us after the jump here in just a little while. So last email today, Pam. Thank you so much for the podcast. I've been listening for a couple of months. My husband and I have been married for almost seven years, and we had our first baby girl a year ago. Well, congratulations. I've always had the higher higher drive, except for those months of postpartum. I thought this was strange until listening to your show and realizing that I wasn't alone. There have been times that we would go weeks without sex because he doesn't initiate it, and I hate trying to initiate and then being shot down. She just captured the path and the plight of a higher desire. That's exactly right. <laughs> doesn't male, male, female, doesn't matter. It's the same path. Plus, it feels awkward to initiate because I don't want him to do it just because he feels like it's something he should do. I want him to want it often. Again, she just captured the path of the higher desire. I also want to add that we've both struggled with masturbating on our own ever since we were young kids. I think we still struggle because we have trouble communicating what we want. How do you suggest we get rid of the desire to pleasure ourselves and go to the other person instead? Any advice is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for all that you do. Well, I love hearing from higher desire wives Mm -hmm. because they are not unicorns. No. And they're not as an anomalous as sometimes they're laid out to be. There's Mm -hmm. quite a few that truly encapture the higher desire in a marriage, because it's neither right or wrong, doesn't matter which gender, there's a higher and a lower. So what she's describing is the plight that every higher desire tries to figure out how to get around of, I want more sex, but I want you to want more sex like I want more sex. Yeah, and you can't make them want more. Right, and you can yeah. even get deeper of, I can't make somebody want to want it. Mm-hmm. So then the higher desire's journey becomes, how do I start looking at it through the lens of 
Their motivations of what they choose to do is not my concern as much as what they choose to do. Okay. Right? Okay. Because there can be times where a husband, in her case, could be a willing participant. He doesn't have the drive, and it's not a hormonal, ooh, yeah, baby, let's go. But it's a, I would love to, I'm, I'm in. We could do this. And it's almost, it's not just neutral, but it's a little more, it's lending, lending towards the positive. And you see that as, is it accomplishing more sex like you want? That's the point. As long as they're not resentful about it, right? But if they're... The lower desire as a... Right, okay. right. Because, I, I mean, you don't, you don't want them to be in that resentful mindset. But look at the double-edged sword that this could be that you just framed there, Pam. The higher desire can be resentful because you don't want it the way I want it. And now, all of a sudden, it can easily bear itself out in something you don't want from them either. Good point. So it's looking at this through the, the lens, like the, all the questions we've had thus far have been about a confidence and a bringing myself forward. That's the thread here too. If you mm-hmm. want more sex, then go for it, girl. I mean, <laughs> reach out, make a move, make the suggestions, see what happens. Let him say yes or no, because the more and more you can do this and the, and the cleaner you can do it, the more I start to think the dynamic becomes both of you are challenged to do better as your own role of higher or lower, yeah. which means your yes is your yes and your no is your no. If he's not into it and he says no, so be it. Marriage is a long game. Play it that way. Mm-hmm. You just set up the stage for the next time. Mm-hmm. I've gotten as the higher desire to where I start to understand I'll make a move or a suggestion or an innuendo with you and it doesn't result in sex, but it resulted in a smirk or a giggle or a, ooh, that could be fun. And then it's moved on to something else because the time I, timing I made it could have been inopportune. That's fine. It, that was a positive result to me because you start looking at it as this is a long game. But you didn't always look at it that way. No, <laughs> no. Used to be it was a devastation. If right. I'm like, did you not hear me say, did I say, I said that out loud. That was How out did, loud, right? You yeah. didn't hear that? How could you be, what, you know, you need to get your hearing checked, girl, or something. That, But no, this was starting to see it as this is a bigger aspect of us mm-hmm. in our marriage and a bigger aspect of me in my marriage. This also leads to her second question of masturbation has been something they both struggled with. So how do you bring this out into where you're steering it more towards your other, to your partner instead? Have you had a conversation about what would happen if you guys just masturbated together and Valid. brought that to bear and just see if you want to up the intimate level and that's not been a conversation, bring that one up mm-hmm. and say, you know what, honey, why don't we go do this alongside each other? Why don't we help each other out? Why don't you watch? I'll watch. I mean, just who says there's a script on how we're supposed to do this in marriage if it's out in the open with each other? Right. So a lot of this, I think, I'm hearing from her is, tell me if, you're, if I'm wrong with this, Pam. A lot of this is truly, how do I bring myself out in the open more and handle the risk that's inherent within it? Yeah, I think that that, is, that sounds pretty spot on. Because what she's, what she's framed in the way she's asking these questions is, that is the plight of married life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I yeah. don't go through this without risk. Mm-hmm. So you can try to mitigate some, but I think the better path for all of us, higher desire and lower desire alike, is how do I bring me to bear better in my, in my relationship and I handle what happens 
as a result of any move I make because I can see it as I'll get another chance. It's not a shot shooting down of me as a person. It's just a shooting down of an event at that moment. Right. It seems to me that confidence is one of those regular occurrence of things that maybe ebbs and flows in life. Am I wrong? No, I think that can be <laughs> spot on. Yeah, Because that's, that's a lot of what the questions were today. Mm-hmm. It's an undercurrent of how do I create more of me, bring me more to bear mm-hmm. in these moments of life and in the connections that I get and the possibilities that I'm trying to create? And that's where we went with all the different questions. That's for sure part of this whole process of moments of meeting. Right. That there has to be an, a level of confidence of being able to reveal myself to be seen. Mm-hmm. Because some of what's seen is still in development. And I'm hoping people don't see it yet till it's refined. <laughs> Maybe I need to recognize part of the, my refinement is the willingness to let it be seen and grow through it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's where you end up getting the confidence because you've lived through something, right? I've, I've been there. I've done that. Now I'm... It's something I that's can, earned. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we left something undone, mysmrnation.com. Let us know or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We'll see you next time.